This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Welcome back to Line Dance Podcast with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barsulia. I guess last time was after hours. This is before hours. It's 11.26 a.m. and registration has not yet opened for the first day of Pikes Peak Line Dance or Bust in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We had our welcome dance yesterday at uh, Copperhead Road, but uh, that was sort of a semi-official thing. The actual event starts today, Mm -hmm. and we are continuing our article, 32 Ways to Easily Make New Friends at Live Events and How an Introvert Met 70 People in 12 Hours. This is found on liveyourlegend.net. It was written by Scott And we are continuing from number 17. 17. Know your ABC stories. The more you know your experiences, the higher your odds of quickly finding similarities as you ask questions and learn their story. An easy exercise for this is to write a one to two sentence true story about yourself for every letter of the alphabet. My friend Tynan taught me this one. Ask a friend to help if need be. A for me might be that I went on safari in Africa, and we almost ran into an elephant in our six-person motorboat. The point, is, the point is not to tell everyone all your stories. Definitely don't do that. It's to have a refined lens for listening to theirs and seeing how you can relate. It also makes for much more memorable conversation. Interesting. Strategic. I've, see, I've never thought of doing something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm... More of a listen, and if there's something they have to say that I can say something back, I chime in, mm-hmm. um, which can lead to uh, a lot of listening mm-hmm. and being quiet for a while, but it can also certainly uh, lead to a lot of, oh yeah, I have something similar, I can relate like that, or something like along those lines. One thing I like about this is it keeps your better stories closer to the front of your mind. I noticed that in a lot of podcast episodes when talking about uh, you know, what's, something that, what's a problem that needs to be solved in line dance or whatever, it might just end up being that they talk about whatever the last thing was that they talked about. Like recently. If they, the if most they, relevant. Right. If they just had a conversation about that and they feel pressed to give an answer, they're going to talk about that. But then later on, they might think, well, actually, there was this other more important thing that I probably should have brought up, but it didn't even occur to me because it was on the spot. So if you have these other stories handy, you'll remember to talk about those instead of just, you know, who cut you off in traffic. Like yeah. how you relate to someone on that. That's very true. Yeah. Number 18. Be interesting. Ask interesting questions and become contagious. Do whatever you can to interrupt the usual small talk pattern. Share passions. Anything's fair game. Well, almost. Ask about fun things like recent adventures or what they're most excited about right now. Tell them the same about you. Don't ask, so, um, what do you do? There are much more entertaining ways to get to that question. One of my go-to questions is, so, what are you building or excited about right now? People want to be around people who are excited about what they are doing. Energy and passion are contagious. Let it rub off on the people you're with. But don't dominate the conversation. Let them do more talking than you. Then, play your energy off the things you learn. One of my favorite Tim Ferriss questions is, uh, what book would you recommend to everybody? Mm. It's a very interesting question because it's one of those that you get a lot of different answers and a lot of different reasons why. Um, and it shows a lot about the person's interest and what they want to, in some ways, um, spread to, you know, the community or the world or whatever, um, or something that maybe helps them very personally, um, that they think could help somebody else. Um, it's certainly one of my favorite questions. However, I've never asked it. One of my favorite variations of his on that question is, what book have you gifted the most to others? Because 
we can recommend books hypothetically and yeah. say, oh, yeah, everyone should read uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius or the Bible or uh, you know, War and Peace. But, like, realistically, what do we give to people that we think they need to read? And we don't always feel like the proudest of those answers. Maybe it's just, like, some stand-up comics autobiography. But if we really like it and that's what we really wanted the person to read, then that's the, the most honest answer to that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know book-wise. I know movie-wise. I know what movie I've gifted the most. What would that be? Stardust. Ah. <laughs> I have seen Stardust. It's a good one. It's fun. It's lighthearted. A little bit of adventure. A little bit of love. A little bit of dreaming. It's different. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. Interesting questions and becoming contagious. In the dance world, sometimes I'll, I'll ask people, like, who are the up-and-coming people who are putting out stuff that they really get into? Like things that they wouldn't have thought to do themselves, but are coming out in this person's style. I think people get into the answering that yeah. question. Um, I know when I'm actually talking with people that like are instructors, or they uh, they've at least mentioned that they take classes back home. Um, I'll ask about some of the dances that are currently being taught or danced in their particular classroom or studio, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of see like what they tend to lean towards or what's um, hot in their area. Because a lot of people that I talk to aren't from where we are. They're from all over. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's interesting to see if there's any overlapping mm-hmm. um, and what those stances are. Mm-hmm. So um, another thing I've asked people is um, how they keep their numbers up. Mm-hmm in their classes, mm-hmm. how they keep people engaged and entertained and how um, they keep things fresh enough, but not like, you know, a new dance every single day. And so now like you're not retaining anything. Mm-hmm. Or like a bunch of gimmicky stuff, like, you know, show up to this class and get a $5 gift card or something like that. You, know, you don't want to have to pay your students to yeah. please be there, but like you do want to attract people. And so you have to balance that somehow. Like how do people do that? Yeah. Number 19, meet on their level. If someone is quiet and reserved, you being your wild and crazy extroverted self will likely turn them off. Tone it down to where they are. Your goal is to make people feel welcome and safe. This creates rapport. You can still be contagious without making people feel like you're crazy. Oh, but see, I like people thinking I'm crazy. <laughs> if we're crazy together, then right? that, there's no problem. <laughs> right? Yeah. No. Um, I've, I've certainly um, like to practice uh, gauging people's comfortable, comfortability level um, and trying to make them feel at ease as possible because you can always work up to that kind of connection where you can be silly and goofy and loud and rambunctious together once you've, you're there. But you don't want to push it too far, too fast, because, like, you know, they were saying, like, it can turn them off and, like, really make them feel really uncomfortable. Um, so I like to, you know, at least um, you do it too. Um, invite them, like, to sit with me or, you know, like, I'll go up and sit next to them and just, you know, small talk to begin with just to kind of... Um, give them a place to go off of uh, and that also gives me a way of gauging how like resistant to the answers they are or how like as much as they f- are uncomfortable they want to answer um, it gives me a level of okay well I can I can pursue this conversation further or okay they're really not comfortable at all I'm gonna go elsewhere mm-hmm. Yeah, you can hear different people and their different speech patterns. Uh, I noticed this in the in the interviews, the podcast interviews. They'll have like a different cadence to them, so it can make things more comfortable if you match that to some extent. Uh, like I know Joe Kinzer, she kind of stretches her words out a little more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And she'll like have these little turns of phrase like that. Um, I think she she was the one who I think says. Um, she puts, she makes things a lot uh, in question form, like "Isn't that right?" or something like that. And Chris Watson, he has a, he he will sometimes start with like a "Look." So here's the thing, and he'll start a lot of his sentences with "Look." And when you start picking up these things, whether intentionally or not, you may end up 
matching more or less the feel of how they structure their sentences. Yes. So then it feels like you're eventually of one mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, and that's, I mean, think about it when you're, when you're with your best friend or your partner, significant other, or whatever, the person you spend the most time with, there's a lot of similarities in the words you use, um, your demeanors, uh, a lot of stuff like that because you've spent so much time together, you've kind of built off of one another. Right. Um, because I, I notice it, like, when I'm speaking with you versus when I'm speaking with my sister. Like, totally different personalities, but I'm still the same person. Right. So, um, it's different It's different in each person. So, if you're able to just kind of ease into that and not just, like, oh, I know what this person's like right off the gate and be totally wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, where it's nice to kind of match the level where they're, they're at um, as opposed to forcing them to come to your level. Mm-hmm. Number 20. Be with them and only them. If you're talking to someone, then talk to them. Do not glance all around the room looking for more important people. That sucks. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Then listen and actually hear what they're saying. Make it a game to listen so intently that you pick up on how you can uniquely relate and help. Yeah, um, eye contact is big. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a little tricky uh, for me because I I take a lot of time in thinking of uh, the words I want to use, and so with that, it's hard to focus on the person. Um, but I know, like, I was having a conversation with a lady the other day, and you know, like for a, a good period of time, you know, I was very engaged in the conversation. And then all of a sudden I noticed myself looking around more. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This is very disrespectful. So I refocused myself um, because where we were at, there was a lot of stuff going on. So it was, it was kind of hard to focus too. But um, yeah, and I was fortunate enough to notice that. So like, I didn't feel like, um, you know, like, it was going going on for three hours of the conversation or anything like that. But I know when people start looking around, I start looking around like, well, what are they looking at? <laughs> so. Yeah, I like the bit about uh, listening intently because sometimes people will not out outright say what it is that would make their life easier, but if they start talking about... Um, how they feel totally disorganized and like you see them writing things down on scraps of paper and they're they're making notes to themselves like oh I have to remember to do that oh gosh I'll probably forget those are the little things that make you think you know pretty sure I saw a daily planner in the gift shop maybe I can get that for them five ten bucks why not Right. and it's thoughtful it's directed completely at them they didn't explicitly say it's what they needed but you kind of pick up on that by being observant and listening to what they're saying and listening to the subtext yeah and I like how they say you can make that a game because <laughs> that does sound like fun number 21 and while we're on don'ts do not retreat to mindlessly checking your phone when you don't have someone to talk to Leave it in your pocket on Do Not Disturb. Anytime you notice yourself pulling it out because you feel alone, use it as a trigger to apply the three-second rule. I love how much I forget that I even have a phone or an outside world when I'm at dance events. Dance events, yes. Yes. Stonies, not so much. Yeah. You're really bad at it at Stonies, and I am horrible <laughs> at Stonies. Well, like, there also just isn't as much to engage me yeah. if they're all doing electric slide or... Exactly, and it's, and it's times that that like we just automatically go to the phone, and what's sad is you'll be on your phone, I'll be on my phone, and we'll be sitting right next to each other, in which we could have a total conversation, we could. but we don't. Yeah, you know? also like there aren't. <laughs> I mean, we we spend so much time with each other that to just like force a conversation to like prove a point about cell phones to <laughs> random observers, I don't know if it would necessarily be. Um, right? No, it's, I totally understand. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I just find it funny that we're sitting right next to each other and we're both on our phones checking something completely separate from each other or whatever. Um, 
sometimes I use it productively, and I'll be like looking up. If it's been two or three days since I've looked up new music, then I'll go on to my secret source of new music on the internet, and <laughs> I'll scroll through and see you know what's being discussed right now and what albums have come out. And if I have my headphones, maybe I'll put one earbud in and listen to a few yeah, seconds. Yeah, you've, you've given me a, a couple of, to listen to before. The, mm-hmm. Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What I don't like to get into the habit of is just mindless scrolling on Facebook if I was just there like 20 minutes previous. If it's one of those things where it's been like a day or two and maybe there's some major event going on in the world and I've totally forgotten that that's happening, but like if I don't look at it now, then by next week it'll be gone from my newsfeed and I won't be able to see like the videos of it and stuff. Then, uh, yeah, that, that, those are the kinds of things I'd want to tune into. It's when I, it's, it's that feeling of you just opened the refrigerator door, you saw there was right. nothing there. And <laughs> so then five you minutes think, later. Yeah, well, maybe there will be something now. Maybe the, the refrigerator fairy will have left something nice for you to eat. Right? Yeah. I understand completely. He's standing for, why I was just here, there was nothing here. Let's just close it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, the one thing I do notice is at dance events, um, neither of us are hardly ever on our phone. Like the only time I think I've ever seen us on our phone is when we're exchanging information with someone, getting someone's Facebook, mm-hmm. or we're looking at the step sheet for somebody or something. Playing music um, for someone to yeah. think about choreography. Right. It's like it's so seldom that we're actually on our phones at these events, which is amazing. Um, which is probably why I make more connections at dance events than I do at Stoney's. Well, also, I mean, the, the phone and the internet can be used as escapes from wherever your uh, environment is, which is why I tend to go on, you know, YouTube stretches at my where I live mm-hmm. because, like, the surrounding neighborhood is not the kind I would want to walk around, mm. and just the house itself I don't even necessarily want to hear all the noises that go on in the other rooms down the hall it's it's a rented room and everyone there is from Craigslist so then it's really nice to just put my earbuds in and you know find out what's new on internet world yeah Uh, when I'm at a dance event like I'm already at my escape (laughs) right exactly how could I escape any further why why would you want to exactly Um, yeah yeah, it's, I mean, occasionally I'll be on it every once in a blue moon when I'm like, oh, I needed to check something I forgot real quick. Um, there was an email that I was expecting. I, I know I need to respond to. Like, that's when I'll be like, I'll check every now and then. But for the most part, like, I leave it in my bag. Um, the most I have it out for is when I record video. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really the most I have it. Um, but like at these events it's so much easier just to talk to the people around me than it is to be on the phone like I even recording like bringing out my phone like I feel guilty like I'm doing something wrong here I am at this amazing event with all these wonderful people and I have my phone it's like it's almost like this little shame that I put on myself so Mm. yeah and and yet if it weren't for people bringing their phones like Jesse to events and recording things we wouldn't even know what happens at some of them exactly number 22 create a time limit this is especially important for influential people who are constantly being bombarded open up by letting them know you're headed to dinner in two minutes but just had to say dot 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 then offer a memorable thank you and quick idea if natural rapport and conversation grows from there, go with it. But still, only stay a few minutes. It's much less awkward for you to decide to walk away than them trying to leave. Or if they're talking to someone, you could just walk up, touch them on the shoulder, apologize for the interruption, and say a quick thank you and goodbye, and maybe that you'll try to catch them later in the weekend. Find a way to make contact, but be respectful of their space. Did that this morning we at did. breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruben, Luna, and Joanne Brady were having breakfast together. I walked up. I excused interrupting their breakfast. I gave them good morning hugs, uh, chatted very briefly, and then we went and sat down and had our breakfast. Did it with Madison. Um, yeah, Madison, same thing. Um, she was at another table. She was, yeah, she was at another table eating breakfast, and we just said good morning um, and just kind of you know left it at that, knowing that we all had our own little things to do, but we wanted to acknowledge one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't like force ourselves into their table or their conversations. We just went to our own table where we then got to have breakfast with Joe Thompson Smansky. Yeah, <laughs> which was awesome. We're spoiled. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it's really easy. I mean, I did it several times last night. 
um, I'd walk up to people, I'd tap them on the shoulder, say, I'm sorry for interrupting, I just wanted to say hi, and, you know, whatever, and then I'd leave. Um, sometimes I would I would stay with the conversation because it was interesting enough that in, and the way they presented it once I I had you know said hello or whatever they had opened the conversation to me so I stayed for a few minutes but then I'd still leave after a few minutes just because it was like okay well you guys were obviously having a conversation yourselves I don't want to like totally impede mm. um, but I did want to like acknowledge your existence and there there was a couple people who even um tried to get my attention last night unfortunately I was like all over the map yesterday um and yeah I excuse I, I'm sorry I'm I'm, I'm 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 gonna go do something real quick but I'll come back um or I'll catch you later in this weekend or something like that there's been a couple of those that I've done so far but yeah number 23 change seats don't sit in the same place during every session or eat or stand in the same area throughout the weekend most people do, so show up somewhere different and see who else you can bump into. I like sitting in my same seat. I probably won't change that. Once I find a good seat, that, that'll be my station. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean that throughout the night I won't take a minute and go across the room and sit next to someone for a song and talk to them, mm. but my seat will be that home base. Mm. I find it um, as a retreat knowing that I have that safety spot mm -hmm. that if something comes too much for me, because I mean, even though I'm very extroverted, I can get overwhelmed with the amount of people I talk to. Mm. Sometimes it's nice to like retreat back, take a few minutes, kind of reassess myself before then going and socializing with more people. Mm. Um, and so having that like same location, I know that that's there, mm. um, which gives me the, as weird as it sounds, it gives me the ability to stretch out more and go further because mm -hmm. I know that that's back there for me if I need it. Mm -hmm. Also, unless you're really sure that the person you have moved to sit next to wants you there, it can maybe appear a little clingy. Like, the, at first, you sit down next to them and you're talking, great, you know, everything's fine, but you don't know if they're just being, like, polite. So once you grab your things and come over, it's like, oh, they're really coming over here now. Like, <laughs> This Megan person, she, like, really likes me, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, then you bring all your stuff there, and then they find something they need to do, and you find another person you want to talk to, and then you pick up all your stuff, and you move over with them, and it just seems less casual than going without all your stuff. Yeah. If you go without all your stuff, you can leave any time. But if you bring all your stuff, then you seem like you're really invested, and now the person that you went to go sit next to, they feel like they have to stay because you brought all your stuff. They don't want to inconvenience you and make you have to move at all. So, yeah, yeah having that home base can, can be smart. I think also they, they're mentioning uh, on a, the longer term of the whole weekend, um, maybe it would just be good to you know have your home base for the day and then the next day set up a different one. Yeah, I still like the idea of, of that's my spot. Mm. Um, it also makes it, for me, I've noticed at least, I mean, I don't know why, but... Um, if I know someone's going to be in that same spot because they've been in there two days in a row, so chances are they're going to be there tomorrow too. If I remember something or I wanted to talk to them about something, I can go and find them because they're in that same spot as opposed to, okay, wait, where are they? Where are they? As I'm like looking across the ballroom with, which could potentially have hundreds of people in it. Um, it makes it very much like work as opposed to like a natural flow for me. One potentially obnoxious thing about having a spot, I don't know if you've got any of this in Vegas, but I'm pretty sure I saw some of it at uh, Windy City, is when people would save spots on the dance floor before a workshop. So before you even got to the person's workshop, the, the first two rows are covered in like bags or dance shoes or whatever because yeah. they want to get that front row spot. And like, do you... Do you accept that and do you just be the good dancer and say, okay, well, their stuff is here, so I guess I won't move it? Or do you say, hey, you know, first come, first serve. If, if, if I'm here and the workshop is starting and you're still in the bathroom, do I, why should I just leave all your bags there? Your bags aren't learning the class. You know, they're, not, they're not taking anything. So uh, 
yeah, having having that That's kind of spot. A little bit different. Yeah, yeah, it's rare. I haven't seen it at every event, but yeah. a, a huge one like you know, Windy City or I don't. I like I said, I don't think I've seen it in Vegas. Those ballrooms are too big to even need to save spots. Yeah. But uh, yeah, then then you kind of should consider not having like your spot that everybody just accepts. Oh well, of course they have front row center for the next six days. Because that's that yeah that's, that's a little bit picked. different though yeah. because that I'm thinking like seating spot not yeah, like right. learning on the dance floor because um, that's that's certainly different for me um, mm-hmm. I like to be in different spots on the dance floor mm-hmm. uh, for several reasons one it pushes me into really listening to what they're calling out as opposed to just relying to look on their at their feet mm-hmm. um, which helps me really figure out the dance and when I have to work for it a little bit I tend to remember the steps more mm-hmm. um, so I tend to push myself a little bit more towards the outskirts um, of course everybody likes being in the front rows when they're learning because then they have the uh, unobstructed view to the, f- the footwork so you have a better chance of really seeing it and understanding it um, but after dancing for the dream and they mentioned how new dancers learn better visually and more experienced dancers although learn well uh, visually they can you know take the the titled movements and understand what's being said and they can then do it Um, I started pushing myself more towards the outsides or even back a couple rows Um, I like I like having on the perimeters I like being on the perimeters for sure more than I like being in the middle I feel like the middle it's too claustrophobic for me almost um, yeah you're kind of at the mercy of like everyone around you as far as how much space you get because if the person on your left moves to the right and the person on the right moves to the left and in front and back they do the same thing and you're hemmed in like you can't just push everyone away but like if you're on the edges or the corners you can just get closer to the chairs yeah and I've been stepped on several times during classes mm being closer to the middle mm. it is not fun mm. I, I like my feet I don't need yours <laughs> thanks though um, and you know with that so it makes it harder for me to really understand the movement and get into the movement when I'm in this little teeny tiny space because everybody around me is trying to figure it out and they're you know bumping into each other um, so if I'm on the outskirts I can certainly go, okay, well, that's a chair. I'd rather dance next to the chair because the chair's not going to step on my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that gives me a little bit more play, too, to really explore the movement. Mm-hmm. But Number 23 is change seats. Number 24, take advantage of transitions. Walking into and out of a venue is a natural time to start up a chat. So is any transition. It usually feels less awkward than walking straight up to someone. Say hi to the people beside you. Who knows? The woman in the stairwell might be your future business partner. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of to and from ballrooms or a lot of in, uh, instructors switching mm-hmm. as I'm staying in the same ballroom has opened up quite a few opportunities for me to talk with people around me. Um, I've asked them like what they thought about the lesson. Was there anything that they struggled with or that something that they got really, really easy on that? Um, you know, I've I've talked to just briefly again, like you know, where where have they where have they traveled from? Because um, I really do enjoy finding out like who's traveled the farthest mm-hmm. um, and why and why who are they there to see? Exactly, at this event, um, the wind goes to Madison mm-hmm. from Australia. That's a little bit of a ways, um, but you know that that gives the opportunity. It's kind of like um, standing in line at Disneyland for me. It's just such a natural thing for me to strike up a conversation as you wait 45 minutes for this ride mm-hmm. with the people around you. You get some really fun, interesting stories. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do. I've actually considered making like a bingo game out of it mm-hmm. um, just to put out on the internet and like have people be able to, to you know, pass the time um, more smoothly when they're at events like this or when they're waiting in line somewhere. I know I've done it um, at uh, SSU Decision Day. I was standing in line for coffee 
and I struck up a conversation with the family behind me because they were talking about like possibly deciding whether or not they the daughter liked this school or if the other school was better and so you know, I was like I was just asking like what, what other schools have you looked at what is your major you know stuff like that um you know and I've, I've met some really cool and interesting people that way just by striking up a random conversation in transition somewhere in passing while you're waiting in line um as opposed to okay well we're at this dance event we're in the middle of class so let's talk now you know um headed to the bathroom it's really easy to be like oh my god i loved how you did this move or something like that or i love your earrings or you know as i've mentioned previously if i seem unapproachable sometimes at stoney's because i'm either on the floor in my zone or often this tucked away table by the DJ booth the only time people do have uh, available for maybe grabbing me for a second is during the transition between songs or as I'm going over for water or something Mm -hmm. so we know it works on me I guess it could work (laughs) on others (laughs) and I'm definitely open to to being grabbed during any of those transitions yeah number 25 make and share introductions once you meet someone Think about who else you know and who they'd have fun with. If you see a group of friends, introduce everyone to the new guy. Also, make an agreement with a few friends that you'll introduce each other to the people you meet. Hmm. That's that's a smart decision. I do that with you a lot. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll talk to someone that has approached me or whatever, um, and... I'll be like, Chris, Chris, and I'll be like, Christopher, this is so-and-so, so-and-so, this is Christopher, um... And it's just, it's just one of those things where it's, it feels weird not to introduce you and give you that opportunity to speak with them too. Mm. Um, it almost feels like I'm, as weird as this sounds like, maybe neglecting or like ignoring you mm. if I don't take that opportunity for you to meet someone else as well. Because um, a lot of times I also, I, I learn more listening to a conversation you have with the same person that I just met. Mm. Um, because I don't always ask the same questions you do. Mm, true. So um, by both of us talking with this person, we both get to learn things about them that maybe you know, wouldn't occur to us to ask. Or if it did, maybe it just doesn't feel natural. Mm. Um, I know I have a way of just blurting things out. <laughs> Part of your natural charm. <laughs> um, so I'll just like bluntly ask things, and you know, it's like it's just natural for me to do that. Mm. It's one of those things where it's like I want to know an answer, so I ask the question. Um, and you, you have more detailed questions, mm. um, so I get different information that wouldn't occur to me to ask them. So mm. it definitely helps having that other person that you can introduce someone to. Um, just so that one you get more information two um you know you make connections that way and three you know the person that is one it helps you because you're a lone person and two it helps them because they're a lone person Mm -hmm. you know generally speaking it also helps if you are in the middle of a transition to the restroom and somebody grabs you and True. wants to chat you up and then you introduce them to your friend and that way you know your friend is taking care of the conversation while you disappear for a few minutes and then you can come Re-enter. back. Whereas if you say, I'll be right back and there's no one for them to talk to, they might not be there when you get out. Yeah. yeah. Number 26. Be the host. Act as if this is your party. If you see someone alone, go say hi. I don't care if you don't know anyone else. Make someone else feel welcome. And you'll both have someone to talk to. Offer help, directions, introductions, whatever. If you're headed to a meal, invite them to join. A few years ago, I was at an event where I saw one of my biggest mentors and hugely successful author wander around looking for a place to eat. So I invited him to join us. Made for a hell of a lunch. Remember, no one wants to feel alone. Always be welcoming. You mean how I invited Joe to eat breakfast with us this morning? Something like that, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, 
it's an invite. They don't have to say yes. If they don't, don't take it personally. They might be doing something else. But um, it certainly led to a a fun conversation, very informative, a little bit more on her background, which was nice. That was cool. Um, I mean, I hate seeing people sitting alone in a ballroom where there's hundreds of people. Hmm. So I tend to want to at least sit next to them for a few minutes and, and talk to them um, or invite them to join. Um, it can be awkward, but at the same time, I know it feels good to be noticed. Hmm. It makes you feel like it's valuable that you are there at this event. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm able to make someone else feel that, that's, uh, it makes me feel good. Yeah, and I think we've mentioned before how we just kind of assume that these cool people are being talked to by everyone and invited to everything at all all events all the time, but that's not always the case. Like, if they are a shy person and everybody else is assuming the same thing, like, oh, well, they're they're probably too busy. They're not going to want to do this thing with us. But they're also if if the person is shy and they're not asking anybody, then nothing ends up happening. They right. don't do anything. They don't go anywhere. Yeah. You never know until you ask. Exactly. I also like that idea. Act as if this is your party, because if it were your event, how would you be different? Like, in what way would you try to ensure that everyone is having a good time? Because when you're the event manager, it's sort of your responsibility. Like, you can just set things out and hope that things go well or you can take an active role in checking up on people like Dolly does at Wine Country Line Dance Socials. Yeah. She'll, she'll go up to everybody. If they're yes. sitting alone for a while she makes sure you know, they're getting enough food, they've been enjoying the classes or the dances that have been played she'll ask mm-hmm. you know, where do you usually dance if she's known very well and she really treats that like it's her party which it is because she helps put on yes. the socials. If we were to do the same then just sort of on like a informal volunteer basis, we would be able to help the managers who I'm sure have plenty of other things to worry about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like that idea of like, you know, how can you help somebody else? Mm-hmm. Um, how can you make them feel welcome and included? And by doing that, you think about, okay, well, if this was my event, what would I do? Mm-hmm. How would I make sure that these people want to come back again next time? Well, make them feel like it was worth it this time. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? Okay, this is what I would like to see. And you never know. Like if, if you do a very memorable job of this, then maybe word will get back to the actual managers and they'll think, gosh, this event was made better because this person attended I want to make sure they come next year. What do I do? Do I give them a free pass? Do I, you know, ask them if they want to be on the staff? Like, how do I make sure that this event goes this well next time with them here? Yeah. You never know. Number 27. Embrace the party. This is crucial. Most of the real connection happens between events and after hours. Share unique experiences. Get up early for a workout. Jump in the river or go bungee jumping, if that's your thing. Skip a session for an afternoon beer with new friends. Go out and do some partying together. Get your dance on. Stay late. Get a little tipsy. These are the non-conference things that bring your guard down and turn acquaintances into lasting friends. Take your pick. Be creative. Get a little crazy. And always be sure to dance. (laughs) That's really fitting. Then they say, that's my signature move on the right. And then there's this picture of him doing the signature move that everyone can check out when they read the link to article. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, Taking that moment to sit with someone and talk with them, even though there's like a workshop going on that maybe, you know, neither one of you were like 100% sold on um, can make all the difference. Simon in Portland. Yes. Um, That was really cool being able to talk to him for as long as we did. Um, I know I've I've been blessed with being able to have um, dinners and hangouts with people. I've been invited out to um, a couple bar venues, but uh, not a heavy drinker. Same at all. Um, and given 
everything else like I did take I, I did pass on that particular invite but I took them up on the other invites that they had given me um, I've invited people to dinner to be like you know I have you know an hour or whatever do you have any time did you want to get something to eat and it's worked out and it's really nice because then you get to sit with that person. You really talk to that person um, and just get to know them better and have that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Copperhead Road last night was fun. And for many people, I'm sure they could have just said, well, it's not really the event. It sounds like a bar. I don't think we're going to have a very good time. Like, what are we going to do? Just, like, do shots all night or something. But if they hadn't gone, then they wouldn't have seen John and Ruben playing off each other with some of their butt-shaking and hip-gyrations. They wouldn't have seen Madison picking up every dance that came on like she was born doing it. And even the people, like the regulars, the people who were there every week, like just seeing a new person, a new group of people who clearly have done this before and are putting all kinds of flair on their dances, uh, you know, they, you're getting an opportunity to see them doing... uh, doing more than they normally would for the people they're used to doing this for. Yep. So you can see them go all out. Yeah. Um, Another thing is, you know, in last night, while they were doing some of the dances, uh, we asked Ruben if he had a minute, Mm. and we stepped outside, and we we had a conversation with him during this event, during when they were um, teaching and dancing, and, you know, like we took that few minutes and had a conversation with him, and some fun produ- uh, projects have potentially come out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, very informative information for us, at least. And, you know, it's because we took that moment during that social event mm-hmm. to speak with someone specific mm-hmm. outside of that, you know. So it's uh, there's ways to still do it for a few minutes, at least, during an event even if you know it's there's one going on right um and then you just go back to the event yeah um you don't necessarily have to completely leave right um there's other times where it's nice to completely leave mm-hmm. so yeah like at the very end of the night we could have stayed I and mean, it looked like the ladies night was just kicking off and they were starting to play more loose non-specific country dances or country songs that didn't have line dances to them but that people could dance to and then it was time to you know just head out and pursue other adventures, and everybody else had pretty much gone by that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, figuring out what it is that you want from an event, I think, can also help you decide um, whether true it's that important to be at every class, or whether you were there more to see specific people who you never get to see, or to meet people in general because you don't know anyone. Yeah, and figure out what it is that. Um, that you wanted from the event and don't just go with the default if you are missing out on the thing that you were intentionally supposed to you know, be there for. Agreed. If, if you have no intent, then yeah, just go nuts. Just <laughs> go with the flow. Do what everyone else tells you to. I don't know. <laughs> Section four. Follow up. The event is just the beginning. What comes next is where the lasting friendships form. Number 28. Send a note and add some value. In your follow-up, thank them for something specific and find a way to offer an idea, article, talk, book, whatever that might help with something they mentioned when you met. Make each note unique and memorable. Do it within 24 to 48 hours, max. If you wait longer, you'll probably never do it, or it'll get lost. Send an email as well as snail mail, and maybe a tweet. If you have a fun picture, print it out and put it with the letter. Line answers are really good with that. Mm-hmm. They do a really good job after these events of thanking people. Um, yeah, mostly in those giant posts with everyone tagged. Yeah. And it's nice when your name comes up and you see something you know, specific to you and that particular person's interaction. Um, so if you go out of your way and do that for somebody else, you've definitely helped make their day, at least given them a few minutes of joy and, you know, feeling appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't done as much of that with snail mail. Because Not so much. asking people for their addresses these days is less common. Yeah, email or Facebook is generally where I go. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I like what you mentioned about you know, being specific, not just thank you to all the great instructors list. Yeah. But like, what is it that you remember from them at Copperhead or during their workshop or during lunch or breakfast? Yep. Number 29. Thank speakers even if you didn't meet. Send a note to the people who left an impression and tell them why. It's kind of along the same lines, what we just talked about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Except, I guess, in this case... Uh, there are some instructors who you see only when they're doing demos and you don't actually interact with them during the event. Like, I don't know how much you talked with Joanne at Vegas. I didn't, really. Right? But I like, mean, it was, like, one of the last nights. But we still definitely remembered, you know, how, how she was uh, yeah. during performances or whatnot each night. So those are the kinds of people that you can say, hey, you know, we didn't actually get a chance to talk, but I loved this or that thing that you did that really added to the event. Yeah, true. Very true. It's totally not awkward at all. (laughs) Number 30. Write about them. For the past few years, I've published summary posts about WDS with mentions and links to the people who taught me something. Then I'll include a link in my follow-ups. I like to um, tag... I guess tag it's kind of I tag the people who I can but I mention um, I got this from you like the people who taught certain dances I'll give the title of the dance the original choreographer I'll link the step sheet um, and like for instance last night I mentioned uh, that Madison um, AJ and um, Joe taught dances and then I listed the dances that were taught um, on the uh, my page and I liked that I was able to put those out there for people who didn't get to join the event because then they get to see what's being taught um, apparently there's interest in the UK about what we uh, are dancing out here I have no idea yeah so because um, again I mean they were cute dances last night I really enjoyed them Um, One of them I was already familiar with, which is the I'm Free. Um, I love that cute beginner dance. It's fun to get into. Um, It leaves room to play if you're a more experienced dancer. Um, But it gives you enough of a variety if you are a beginner dancer. Um, And then uh, the Rob Fowler boys and a girl thing. Mm -hmm. Um, That was cute, as well as... um, it was Dustin Mitchell, right? Or no, Darren, Darren Mitchell. Mitchell. Darren Mitchell um, for Lonely Drum that Maddie taught. And that was, that was really fun. And so I felt like all three of those were really good dances. I wanted to highlight those. Um, and I wouldn't have the opportunity to highlight those if I didn't have the teachers. So I, I, I included them in that. So I like, I like doing stuff like that. Because um, then I feel like also I'm, you know, throwing more out there into the world and people get to see what's done and enjoy it more. And maybe they had never seen the dance before, so now they have the opportunity to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in both the summaries that we do of events on Line Dance Podcast when we reflect on the overall experiences and in individual interviews, like I know at the end of interviews I like to say what's the best way to contact you like what's your website can people buy dvds on your site that way people can take what they've listened to and then go beyond and like link outside of the interview to something uh, to add to their knowledge about this person Uh, with the summaries where we have like mentions and links to the people who taught something uh, i think we we try to be pretty thorough with like the detail um that goes into those reflections Mm -hmm. so people get a pretty good idea of what happened or what our experience was when they hear those so if you want to listen to those they're linedancepodcast.com you can look for anything that says reflections in it and find out all about those events number 31 find a way to connect in real time within a few weeks if you care about keeping up prove it we did that with Michael and Michelle we did after um, Boogie we mentioned to them that I would be announcing at a horse show in Corning, and 
we like it must have been at least two months in advance. Oh yeah, it was up, quite a ways. Mm-hmm, we had set up like a time that we would be able to meet up for dinner and like actually see each other outside of one of these events. Yeah. It's a little trickier to do that with um, some of these people who are coming from all over. There's a possibility we might get to hang out with Joe additionally on Sunday outside of the event, but we'll see how that works out because it might be really early in the morning. Um, uh, some of us get to spend a little bit longer with her, though. Yeah, some of you do. <laughs> lucky duck. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially when she says that I'll be able to dance in that infamous room. Mm-hmm. I'm very Where excited. she films all her demos. Um, or has been filming many of them. Yeah, no, and, and that's also... Um, we, I mean, even necessarily, although it was during the event in the sense of the days of the event being hosted, um, we've gone out to dinner with people afterwards. We've met um, J.P. Potter oh, yeah. afterwards. We've, we've gone to dinner with Joe and J.P. Um, I mean, we've gotten together with certain people outside. I know um, I met... Jono and Rick during the um, I believe it was what, September WWLA event mm. um, and then the next time I got to see them was in November for um, Vegas and after that you know then I m- we made plans to go and actually visit them I got to go down in um, the last week of December and I got to spend time with Emily and Jono and Rick and you know I, I got to reconnect with people that I remember seeing at the WWLA event and like briefly talking to but like didn't really like form that instant connection friendship that like oh we're best friends right out of the gate Um, it was more of that like slow burn where it's like oh okay yeah no I remember we had that conversation and then it kind of just built from there Um, and I was able to see a lot of these people and it it's funny too because um, I remember meeting uh, Jeff and Presley at Stoney's. Briefly, like vaguely remember Presley. In Vegas, when I saw her again, I was like, there we go. You came with Jeff to up to Stoney's and we, we met there and like she's in these pictures with me and you and Jeff dancing and it's like, there she is okay and then you know like and then later on um in december i got to see her again and so it's like it just built that kind of friendship to clarify Um, for any regular listeners of the podcast this is jeff pace as opposed to jeff goodwin who we dj with and then presley is presley presley (laughs) little i think is her last name um but you know it's like i we made plans to see them and then we went again um the week after the dancing for the dream event which is also the week after stagecoach um, we got to see all these people again. Um, so you you certainly can make the effort, even though they're eight hours drive away. Um, it's just, you know, you're not going to necessarily see them frequently. <laughs> um, and the wonderful thing about social media nowadays is you really can stay in touch a whole lot easier. Um, you can send, I mean, there's Snapchat, there's Twitter, there's Instagram, there's Facebook, I mean, there's text messaging, there's so many things that is just right at your fingertips um, that you can just, you know, message someone that you met a couple weeks ago and be like, oh, just just checking in, see how you are doing, um, you know, was thinking about you and just remembered that one time we did this or we talked about that or something um, to stay fresh and stay up to date because, I mean, we all get distracted with life and it gets really, really busy and crazy. And next thing you know, you know, three months have gone by. Um, but it certainly doesn't take more than a few minutes just to send someone a, hey, how are you doing today? Then mm-hmm. finally, number 32. Be you and allow others to be them. This is the blanket that covers the whole process. When you're around accomplished people... It's easy to want to puff your chest out and be someone you're not. The problem is that people see straight through the bull and it kills rapport. Be open, vulnerable, and unapologetically you. This connects way better than some Superman story and makes people actually enjoy being around you. Plus, you being uniquely you 
helps inspire the person you're with to do the same. And that's a rare gift. Do that, and you become unforgettable. Stop worrying about what to say or what to do. Just show up and care about who you're talking to. We're all coming from the same place. We're all at least a little nervous. We all wonder where and how we'll fit in. And we all want to connect with people who believe in the same things we do. See us as friends you haven't met yet. Then go say hello. There's a lot that comes with this one. Mm. Um, One of the best things about the line dancing events is they will hands down accept you for you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of amazing. Um, I didn't know that a place like this actually existed. Mm. Um, And it comes from a very interesting spot for me because over a year ago for several years leading up to that point I was supposed to be ashamed of who I was I was supposed to be smaller than I was um, more meek more quiet more not me Um, and about a year ago was when I was able to start exploring the idea of actually being me. Um, and most of that comes from the fact of you are so you and you are good with that. Um, and that has helped me be better and more comfortable around people. Um, and just, you know, accept my flaws as well as my strengths and it has made for such an amazing and lasting friendships and connections um, because I'm not faking it I'm real with people Um, yes there's still certain things that are hard to deal with there's certain things that are hard to talk about there's certain quirks that because of the conditioning I had for so long is hard to overcome and it's still a process but for the most part, um, I don't feel like I have to apologize for being me anymore. And it's a really neat feeling in myself, as well as it's a really neat feeling to see how people respond to that. Um, and I can say firsthand, they definitely welcome you faster and more uh, openly when you are you, as opposed to thinking that you have to be this person. Um, The other thing is, when it comes to big names, I have been very blessed with just randomly having conversations with people because my own quirk of being nervous is I ramble and I ask questions that I probably shouldn't ask, but I do anyways. Um, And I learn things and I learned that these big name people that we put on these pedestals are very much human. And I mean, I know firsthand that even the most professional uh, instructors and choreographers get really nervous during demos. They mess up during demos. They freak out and they practice and they practice and they practice and they practice. And when, you know, like they practice up until the point of when right before they're called and they're still freaking out because. I was blessed with sitting next to them and I was mentioning how like I don't know how they do it because I'm terrified and uh, the particular individual I'm speaking of was kind enough to be like no I get it I every single day every single time I get really really nervous and you know um, it doesn't make it any easier as long as I've done this I was like oh that's good to know (laughs) you know but it was just because I was at that point sitting next to her and I was open and honest with her about a real genuine fear she was able to share something back Mm -hmm. as opposed to being like oh I got this you know I mean then it puts a pressure on the other people that you know like they have to feel like they have it together Mm -hmm. that's not the case we're human and even if they are honest and say really like how do you do it how do you have it all together because I freak out about then you can't backtrack because then it sounds like you lied Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah yeah so If you can be honest about you, um, it makes it a whole lot easier to connect with. 
Also, I find that it acts as a filter because the people that don't want you to be your completely honest self are not the people you want to be hanging around with anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you just throw it all out there, then the people are like, ew, who's that person? They shouldn't be like that. They're going to keep their distance. Good. <laughs> yeah. It saves you the trouble. And it makes room for someone who really wants to do this you know, meet you and talk to you and be friends with you. And if you aren't being yourself out there, they'll never even know you exist, so you never could have formed that friendship. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm yeah. a big believer in that last one. Mm -hmm. This has been 32 Ways to Easily Make New Friends at Live Events and How an Introvert Met 70 People in 12 Hours by Scott on LiveYourLegend.net. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Line Dance Podcast with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barsulia. Until next time, we will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.